Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Woff. We are continuing our series of always like a good number two with a movie that actually is quite a bit better than its predecessor from, from the first movie. We got Scary Movie 2 for yeah. you today. Oh, yes. This movie, fuck, dude, this movie. So we both talked about how we watched it twice this week and not out of necessity, but just because we wanted to, because we watched it and we got, we were, got reminded about how funny it is. Right. There's some moments you can't believe they're actually doing it, even if you've seen it 20 times. Yes. And there's so many things that happen in this movie, especially those moments where you're like, oh man, they can't do that today. <laughs> right. You couldn't, you couldn't even do this five years ago. Yeah. It's uh No. Right out the gate, too, dude. Right yeah. out of the gate. The first movie really falls in line with the Scream, and I know what you did last summer. That's kind of like their main, you know, the main target that they're going after. And this one is more of the haunting type things, like of the like the movie The Haunting, um, The Exorcist. Poltergeist gets quite a bit of play, as well haunting as... Haunting of Hell House. You know, Amityville Horror. And actually, in all fairness, out of all the movies... Uh, of the five, because we talked about how they don't, they progressively get worse from after this, that, that, and this probably is the best one, of them, but this one actually has genuine scare moments in there, which was surprising, you know, and that's something that the yeah. first, the scream had, it had moments where it was a little more daunting. The reason why I think that the, the one thing this thing doesn't suffer from the, the first scary movie suffers from is scream is kind of a parody itself. You know, it's, it's a tongue in cheek update of the slasher movie. Exactly. But this is just like, no, this one goes for it. This one goes for it in the way that the Zucker and Abrams team did with airplane and with naked gun. And they took from everywhere. They took from, they it didn't, they didn't, didn't matter how recent the, their, the targets were, they went for it. Right. And genre crossing and everything else, man. Right. Ironically, after this scary movie too, all the, you know, the Wayans leave the project completely and Zucker, David Zucker takes over, which is. Right. The, and it the, becomes airplane, naked gun, hot shots. <laughs> it, it does. And it become, and, and they bring a, as if scary movie franchise had started by, by Zucker because it really feels like airplane because he brings in all, all those familiar faces. Right. But that's why this one stands out as the best of the five. And it's memorable, but it's also unmemorable moments too, because you forget about how over the top they go with this. Right. The, the first scary movie, there, there's a prosthetic penis in there that someone gets killed with through the ear. Right. They up their game in the second movie. <laughs> oh, dude. Holy shit. Right. I, have you ever seen a bigger prosthetic penis? <laughs> No, is the answer. No. In what way to update the whole poltergeist clown scene? Holy crap, dude. Oh, right? It's like it's like revenge for all of us who were terrified when we were 12. Yes. It's like, yeah, you he got what he deserved, that yeah. fucking clown. Uncle Ray's got something for you. <laughs> I remember how that was viewed. I remember the movie came out that was viewed as a homophobic thing. And I never took it that way. I took it the same way we just described it as like Ray, the, the, you know, the character of that uh, Sean Wayans place, just just spoofing on the closeted athlete from the first movie. That's all they're spoofing on. I, I, I never looked at it as homophobic or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, that's uh, me neither. I've always found the Wayans to handle it kind of, yes, they're kind of, they have kind of characters like that, but I never, it's not like they're, it's, it, it, it's malicious. I've never felt that it was, it was that way. Yeah, that moment, that's probably the one moment where it just like goes, oh my gosh. Yeah, they, they upped their game, man. By far better than anything in that poltergeist remake. <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly. I was just going to say, 
better than anything they put on screen in 2015, 14, whenever that <laughs> unmemorable mess was. I hope it was probably even longer ago. I just need to keep pushing it back further. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, this movie has so many, oh my God, fucking mouth drop. I mean, literally did the beginning, right? The, the cold open of this movie. Yes is totally unforgettable. I mean, from the moment you see Andy Richter playing piano and singing and dressed as a priest and you're like, uh, what? And, you know, and, and, and Dolly. And then they, get, you know, they go, they segue out of Hello, Dolly. Yeah, they, they go into mystical, shake your ass. And, and if you've, <laughs> and if you ever, and, this, and not the radio version. And so, again, talk about those things that just wouldn't happen today. Andy Richter would not only would he not be asked to say the, the the actual lyrics, but he most certainly, if he was, he'd be like, no, no, yeah, right, no. Totally. And dude, this movie is 20 years old. I know it's going to be 20 years old next month, July, 4th of July weekend. That's, and, and that's something that's kind of nutty is all the, I think all the other movies came out in October to kind of tie in with that whole scary scary horror movie kind of month and everything. But this is the, I think this is the only one that did come out in the summertime, 4th of July weekend. And you just, you're just asking for it, right? You're asking for it not to do particularly well. It opened up 4th of July weekend. It wasn't up against anything big, but it was up up against the kids movies. It was opened up against cats and dogs. Now cats and dogs, it wasn't considered a massive hit. I'm kidding. It made $200 million. So there's a there's some of your money right there that didn't go to scary movie too, but it did, it did really well. It still did pretty good. It did like 140 something million. So it quite made quite a bit of money. Ironically, I think it made the least amount of money except for the last one. Right. And I think it was more of an attributed by the fact that more people were staying home around when when the, the fifth movie had come out. And let's be quite honest, we were talking about in 2013. There's a bunch of people in that movie like who the hell is that again? Who's who's that? Yeah, dude. I can't even name anybody from, and, and Simon Rex, right? Isn't that, is that the one with Simon Rex? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I couldn't go any further than him and Rhonda Tisdale or whatever. Ashley, Ashley, Ashley Tisdale. Tisdale. Yeah. And she was a little bit of a draw. She's a little bit of a draw because of high school musical, but, and she's fine and it. it's not there, but nothing like the this cast. No. Everything about this cast works so well together. There's there's one exception, but we're, we're not going to weight the episode down with it because there's too much great shit to talk about here. I mean, the parodies in this one go across the board of what we just mentioned. The Rocky Horror Picture Show spoofing is great too because we got Tim Curry in this movie, man. Talk about this cast. Right? Tim Curry. What the, what was he doing? He wasn't doing anything. I mean, now with any, he wasn't working as frequent as you would expect. But dude, he's he's great in his playing Professor Old Man, <laughs> right? Dude, I love the names. Oh yeah, in this movie. Yes, if you if you want to lean in on the nineteen ninety nine haunting, he's kind of lean, he's playing the Liam Neeson character in this. But dude, there's so much, so many funny things they take a shot at in this. But it's the cast that's even the jokes that would normally flat with a different cast, they fucking hit. But like you noted, this movie starts off the cold open. That's a become a standard thing with the whole series as well as as the screen movies. This one is one of the few of them that actually have a tie to the actual movie. <laughs> you got James Woods in there, dude. <laughs> right? I mean, and dude, this is the ultimate a good number two moment in a yes. good number two movie. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. The cold open is represents our tease and clues about what this movie was going to be this week was based off this opening, this cold open. And dude, 
I mean, they went for it too, man, because the cold opening, like I said, with the party is very much exorcist. And then he shows up, it's all exorcist. But then they step away from the exorcist for a moment and they give you a little bit of Amityville horror. Oh, yeah. But when he delivers that line while he's at the front door, <laughs> again, I don't want to uh, say it because I, I'll do it injustice. <laughs> and it's just the way... When I watched it a second time, Melody goes, she was like laughing so hard. She was laughing at the earlier joke, but that she missed, she missed that grunter joke. <laughs> so I had to rewind it so she right? could hear it. Sometimes you got to give them candy is right. another gem. <laughs> That's the one she was <laughs> laughing at. Uh, and Veronica Cartwright playing, the, you know, Mrs. Voorhees playing the mom. And, and Natasha Leone, of course, we, we mentioned earlier, she, she's, the, she's, the, she's the Reagan in this, but playing Megan, of course. Who let the horse out? <laughs> Dude, okay, let me talk about the real quick. Let's, let's roll back to the party. <laughs> Sorry. When, Good, let's do. When Megan is standing in the middle of the floor, taking this never-ending piss. Dude, right? Dude. You thought Austin Powers pissed for a long time. <laughs> Not only does Natasha Leone piss longer, you're seeing it, which is another thing altogether. Yes. But there's one of the party goers, he, they cut, because they're doing all these insert shots, and he kind of looks like he's like, he's like standing up and leaning over so he can get a better look at it with a smile on his face. But he's also the same right? guy when they start playing Shake That Ass, he's like going, oh yeah, this is, this is my shit. This is my shit. Oh God, dude. It, it's clear that Keenan just got love what this guy was bringing in, and he kind of gave him some real good FaceTime, and then he's got one of the two funniest moments. And for you to laugh that hard in the middle of the pissing scene, when you see this cutaway to this guy, I mean, that says a lot because you're already just yeah. in hysterics watching this piss scene. And what does she say? What does the mom say? <laughs> oh, she's been a little sick lately. She's feeling under the weather she's lately. She's been a little sick. <laughs> and then when she gets grabs her by the head, dude, and rubs her nose, <laughs> and she starts smacking her with the sheet music. Ah! I'm like, what is going on here, man? It's so perfect. And by the way, let me point that out too. Yeah, she's got the rolled up sheet music and the smack in her. And normally the Zuckers and the Abrams, they would have they would have had a newspaper that came out of nowhere and just did it. And you would have accepted it, but they actually tie in stuff that's already in with the scene. And, you know, again, it's just, even though it's a spoof, it feels so much more authentic. Like I said, it, this feels like old school Zucker Abrams. That's the thing about, if I doesn't, wasn't making that clear earlier, they stuck with the genre or the main through line, like Airplane, yep. disaster movies. This is about hauntings and possession. That's what this movie's about. And then we'll just go ahead and throw these little little uh, pop culture moments in there just to kind of keep it going. The other movies don't do that. Even the first movie doesn't do that. No, this this one isn't even like this. Is so funny because it, I wasn't. Yes. I, I didn't love the first one, <laughs> but this one is not like any of the others. Right. It's tragically. <laughs> tragically. It's tra right. No, I mean no. It's saying it's tragically didn't perform as well as the, 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 the one that came before and the one that came after, but it's better than those three. Those other two. Oh, by, dude. By far. Yeah. For my money. I'll, I'll, yeah. I will always, I would, I would every day of the week, pick this movie yeah. or any of the other ones. Dude. Also, it's funny that Veronica Cartwright, dude, Mrs. Voorhees, but I, you know, she's also to me, you know, which, which is of Eastwick, right? right? I mean, that's, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my God, I was waiting for a moment where she was going to throw up cherries or something. But speaking of throwing up, uh, once we move this cold open upstairs, dude, once that scene, dude, up in the bedroom, yeah. when that shit gets going yeah. and between the, 
Andy Richter's mom and the tongue wagging yes. and, and, and the bar for you know, I had a friend, we used to play this game and he was, you know, he would say things like, okay, name a movie where someone throws up and the, what's the most throw up you've ever seen in a movie, you know, and he, everyone, oh, stand by me. And then, you know, I'm going to say that the throw up scene in this is bigger than the one in stand by me. <laughs> I don't know. There's one bigger than this. I have to say, as you noted, there's lots of stuff in this movie that you wouldn't be able to do today. I think like 90% of that cold open cannot be done. No, not at all, dude. You know how neutered that actress's bedroom scene would be? Yes. If you pitch this to anybody right now, uh, that scene, th no way. They nip it. We don't even get, we don't even get that cold open. We don't get a cold open. They're just like, no, <laughs> no why don't we just start at the school? You're on your water bottle tour, right? And you're on to the next pitch. By the time you get to the next pitch, they're already telling you, oh, and they're already canceling you as you're driving to it because he found out. <laughs> he found out it was. Right. <laughs> you don't want to hear this pitch. And Anna Ferris, <laughs> we talked briefly about this. Uh, for me, Just Friends is part of my film vocabulary. I love the shit out of that movie. I watch it like once a month at least. But you're, we're all kind of used to her blonde hair. Yep. For, for some people... Because because we've seen it far more than we because we've only seen her with dark hair in the scary movie series. I mean, she's not in the last one, but she still had that hair for four movies. Oh yeah, and it did, to make her look like Nev Campbell, right? She looks like a different person in this one more than she looks like Anna in the first movie. But in this one, she looks a lot different. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but she looks she looks like she might be a cousin. She doesn't even look like Anna with dark hair. <laughs> she just looks like a different person. But man, just like with everybody else, you know, Regina Hall, Marlon Wayans playing Regina's brother, Sean Wayans, we mentioned earlier. I mean, they're all like, they're all great. They're all returning and having a good time. And there's lots of new people there. But, and we mentioned James Woods already and Tim Curry. Tori Spelling ironically makes her appearance in the series. Right. Um, which was really funny because, you know, they, they kind of make jokes about it in the first. Is she the only one of the cast who's in Scream and Scary Movie? She's only, she's in the Scream. She she's the only, right? one, she's she's the only, only one who's in, in a Scream series. That's in and, a Scream movie. Yeah. And a Scary Movie movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, the real standouts, consistent standouts, like every scene they're in is fucking hysterical. Uh, David Cross oh. and Chris Elliott. Yeah. I think totally. every damn scene they're in. And then when they start, start sparring with each other, it's some of the best stuff in the movie. You think it's just for the one scene, but no, it comes back. If you haven't seen the movie yet, Chris Elliott has a left hand that one might say is unique and a little different. <laughs> yes. If we're being polite. Uh, let's just say if Quato from Total Recall... <laughs> Had, had an adult size hand, had a hand, that would be it right there. <laughs> so he's got the one good hand and he's got this left hand, but he says, <laughs> but this is my strong hand. <laughs> uh, this is my, grab on to my little hand. <laughs> Dude, that hand is terrifying, man. That thing is, is scarier than anything else in this movie. You were talking about scary moments. Okay, that hand is scary as shit. I wish I could locate this information. It wasn't easy to, to try to find it because I tried to look for it. But props to the practical effects and animatronic team that created that hand. Lou Carlucci is the special effects coordinator on this movie. He was on, he was my guy on Zombievers. Well, there you go. On the DVD, there is an interview 
Oh, I was, I was going to tell you this when I asked if you'd seen the special feature. There is a special feature with Lou Carlucci on the DVD, and I'm assuming the Blu-ray, and they get into the hand and all the other shit. Props to him and his team, because that is so ridiculous, and it is used quite a bit. And a lot of times those kinds of jokes fall flat when you start repeating them too much. But every time they do it, it's hysterical. From the point of where he's he he wants to he he potentially could be saving somebody from being from getting deathly injured. <laughs> um, no one was willing to reach for that hand, and, and and when he's offering his assistance, when he's preparing dinner for the cast, I mean it's a whole bunch of stuff. But the sparring I mentioned with him and David Cross because David Cross is in a wheelchair, and they both take shots at each other about their handicap. And <laughs> even in that scene where he's serving up the food, right? Where they're just kind of like people are just bugging out with the way he's preparing their food. And then they started sparring again. Those two were so damn funny in it. And I should be surprised because both those guys in other projects are always very funny. Right. Well, this is a, our second David Cross movie in recent weeks. Yeah, that's right. And one of the other things too that... We always talk about the movies that are being spoofed and those are easily, you know, you can track those down the movies that they're, they're taking shots at. There's a moment in this where they're spoofing a Nike commercial. Oh God. Right. Dude. You remember how fu- those commercials were everywhere, everywhere. And man, do they nail that? I love the fact that everybody was like, <laughs> it showed that the commercial of, if you, I'll, I'll include a link in here. Uh, hopefully it's on YouTube. It should be. The original commercial, it shows, you know, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of obviously well, very talented basketball players doing a bunch of dribbling, right? I can't recall who was in the commercial right now. Right. It was all dudes who were under Nike sponsorship. Right. Yeah. We have to look it up. I, I just, I get nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. I get nostalgic when I see the video. When I see it, when I saw it in the movie, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, sh- I'll be sure to post it up there. And in, in, as long as it's online, if I can find out, I'm sure, I'm sure it's on there somewhere. I'm going to tell you something funny regarding that is, and I feel like it, maybe it's on a Stuart Little DVD, but we shot a version of that. And at the end, Steven Poster, the DP who shot Donnie Darko, but, and a bunch of other fucking stuff, literally blow this. Somebody blows a whistle. Steven Poster catches the ball. He has a cigar in his mouth and he just says back to work. But oh. we, they did it with the crew doing the Nike commercial. I, th- I think it's on maybe on one of the DVDs. I'm going to see if I can find it. I'll, I'll, if I can find a link, I'll send it to you just for shits and giggles. When you see in the movie, everybody, all the main cast is, is part of the whole dribbling scene. And it just shows you how, yes, they're super talented basketball you know, you know, ball players that you see in the commercial, but it shows you how easy it is to make everybody look good. Like they're good dribblers, <laughs> the way they do the commercial. Yeah, man. It's so, it's the so magic super, of editing. It's so super clever. But when that moment hit in the movie theater, I was dying. It was so funny because you don't expect it. You you only you only expect you know movie and television spoofs. You don't expect to see a commercial spoof like that. And it was it was very specific too. It wasn't like a where's the beef jokes that you got in like um, moving violations. In moving violations. <laughs> Any of those Pat Proft uh, police academy uh, knockoffs? Yeah. By the way, Pat Proft comes back with with a sucker. I think I'm not in the third fourth one, but I know he's co-wrote the fifth one. W- there's somebody else too that's in this movie that. 
was in a, a, a feature that we covered a while back and that's Richard Mole. Dude, Richard Mole. <laughs> dude, and it, look, isn't it, I was going to say, I was waiting for my moment. Dude, Richard Mole is basically parodying his role from House. Yes. Kind of. 100%. Right? And, and <laughs> Big you know ben. what? I bet you at one point it was discussed, but a lot of, it would have been like, no one's going to know what that is. Right. I always took it as him being in it was a subtle nod to House. They didn't have to go out of their way to have him be in. Yeah, no, no, totally. Any fan of the genre who's of, of the right age got it without having to have it spelled out for him. Exactly. Dude, you know what is another great gag in this that makes me laugh every time is when they're when Chris when he's he meets Anna Ferris and he's carrying her and he's going through her luggage, right? <laughs> Ooh, the little panties. And he's he's walking her through the house and yeah. he's like, This is Hugh Cade. This is Ferrer. Who's that? That's Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that joke makes me laugh every time. It's yeah. like I'm 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 almost a simpleton at some point during this movie because I laugh at shit. That was funny the first time, but God damn, that makes me laugh every time. It's the combination of Big Daddy Kane just saying it and the, and the artwork itself is so ridiculously <laughs> funny. There's a parrot in this, by the way. <laughs> oh my God, dude, that parrot. <laughs> the parrot's ridiculous, right? Right. The thing about the parrot is that it's voiced... It's voiced by Matt Matthew Friedman, and he's a he's a film editor. I, I, I was still trying to figure out like how that happened. He wasn't an actor. I mean, I think he did one other thing, but I, it was just. But that thing he did, I think was I think was, the Viggo Mortensen movie, The Crew. Yes, he, he's in that. But and our man Donald, oh Jeremy Sisto. We got to say mention Jeremy Sisto since I was just watching Clueless the other day. But he did the voice of it and it was so random. I thought, oh, maybe, maybe he cut this. Maybe he was part of the editing team. No, he has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> so I thought that was really crazy, right? That is crazy. He wasn't part of editorial at all, but there he is. And he's super, super funny in it, dude. He's like, and you know, he's just sitting, he's just sitting in a booth and Keenan is just feeding them lines and he's just saying them. Probably wants your mama's sweet ass. Yeah, because that's the thing that was so funny about it. All his stuff was obviously done in post, but the reactions from everybody, because they were just insults, it didn't matter what he said. They weren't, they didn't, they're right. They didn't have a dialogue. Their, their reaction wasn't dialogue related. So they didn't say anything back that they had to be specific about what he said. So I'm sure they did, they probably did dozens and dozens of, of, of different takes and they just picked those, but they're all so damn funny. And they're jarring too. Cause I mean, they go for the obvious joke. I mean, even three studios had talking birds in it. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> but this yeah, yeah. one takes it to the extreme, obviously. Cause it's a, it's a scary movie too. So they <laughs> kind of go for it a little bit. Right. In the shit cannon, it's inside. They, they do they t do on that special effects thing. They talk about the can. They talk about the bird. They talk about all that stuff. It's back when you know, beginning of the early DVD when they were just cranking out and putting a dude. This thing has this. This is a twenty year old DVD. It has ten alternate endings on it. There are ten alternate endings for this fucking movie on this DVD. I shit you not. Shit. Special effects features, dude. They talk about the bird. They talk about the cat. Uh, another, uh, that other sequence, you know, there's another sequence with the cat. Dude, this movie like really went for the throat. Not every joke works, but they do kind of work because they're so ridiculous, man. They're not, they're not, they didn't go half-assed on anything. Right. They took some serious, I mean, I'm sure, I don't remember because I wasn't really, I didn't follow that kind of shit and the internet wasn't what it was. So I don't know how much 
heat they took for some of this shit or if they did or not, or people just, people didn't have the outlet to start tweeting about how offended they were at the time. Right. So I don't really remember because I was also 31, you know, right. And it wasn't our daily life, right? Nobody tuned in and nobody read, you know, you still, we still read newspapers and, you know, variety still came to my house, but some of the stuff in this movie, like we talked before we jumped on here, that dinner scene. I, I don't want to blow. I no. don't want to dis. I don't want to ruin everything for people who haven't seen the movie, because maybe there's people out there who haven't seen it. I, I know people who haven't seen it because they were told that Scary Movie Two wasn't good. Yeah, which is weird to me. Or <laughs> it's, oh, it's such a potty mouth movie. Well, yes, of course it is. But know that going in, and you should be okay. <laughs> right. Don't go. Then don't go in. It was funny. We talking about the proximity of some of the movies. When you start seeing the spoofy movies, like Craig Mazin's involved in the series later on, and he, you know, he wrote that superhero movie, which wasn't terrible. It was, it was all right. You know, Craig Mazin's gone on to work on the Hangover movies, but wrote and show ran the HBO series Chernobyl. So how's that for a dramatic shift? <laughs> that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, Corey. No, I'm just kidding. God, really? <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm, I'm like that the same. I, I had no idea, but yeah. God, dude. Yeah, yeah. Talk about something that had all the air sucked out of it. That, yeah. that thing, man. Yeah. Talk about wanting to put a gun in your mouth after you watch it. Holy shit. It's a rough go. <laughs> and Craig Mazin, when he did superhero and this was happening when those, when, when these kinds of spoofy movies started coming out, Craig Mazin's movie was funny though. But like disaster movie and epic movie and those kinds of shit. Not another teen movie? No, that was good. <laughs> that one was good. Yeah, the spoofing becomes such a machine gun thing. They literally take everything and just throw it at the wall. And guess what? None of it sticks. Yeah. But what was happening was they were spoofing things based on trailers that came out six months before that. And then ironically got cut from the movie. So when this, the spoof version comes out, it's not even, it's only relative to spoofing a trailer of a movie where it doesn't exist in the movie anymore. It's really fucking funny. Right. But they're, cause they're trying to be current. They're trying to make people laugh about something you just saw. This movie came out, like we mentioned, July, uh, 4th of July weekend, 2001. But they did something as recent as uh, February of 2001 where they kind of spoofed Hannibal. And he spoofed it in a perfect way too. And it's, and it's not just a little moment. That's the thing too. Those, those other movies that, you know, those spoofing movies, like I said, it's just a machine gun thing. There's some substance to this, but what they do with the Hannibal scene is so great. When they take off Shorty's head, it says so much about who Shorty is when the moment happens. And that's ironically, that's the one of the least funniest moments of the entire movie because everything is targeted. They hit. It's not a soft hit. It's not a mediocre hit. It all hits hard or harder than anything else in any other movies. Yeah. Dude, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there, there are things, that, and look, I don't want, you know, it seems weird to say, and things are so super layered, but in this movie, they are. There's a point where Shorty's sitting on his bed, smoking weed, right? He's smoking a bowl. He's just watered his plant, blah, 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 and he's fucking high, and he's watching TV, and there's a commercial for a Christmas rap album, dude. Right. And the the this, the names of the songs that are coming out of the TV, like the and Frosty the Dope Man, dude. I laugh so hard because it's it's one of those things that you probably maybe you maybe you don't notice the first couple times you watch it because you you know you're you're laughing at other shit. But dude, that may be my favorite single joke in the movie. Might be that moment. The, hearing the Don Pardo like announcer read the names of the songs on that Christmas record. 
I could read a few of them, but we probably have to edit them out. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 since we mentioned the Abram Zucker type of productions, and they're the ones that kind of started this subgenre. I don't think that's a, an unfair statement, at least brought it to the mainstream. I can't remember if it was David Zucker or, or his brother, or if it was Abrams that said it, but they were talking about when you do these movies, you have to do something serious in the foreground and do something fucking nutty in the background. And I can't remember what it was, but one thing that's a staple with the Wayans humor, it starts with, I'm going to get you sucker in 88. They like, you know, they layer stuff. There's funny shit happening in the foreground and funny shit happening in the background visually and audibly. There's a third layer to it. And it's like, it's not often, but when it happens, like you noted, that's what gives this thing repeat viewing is such a, I, I've, dude, I've seen this one more than I've seen all the other movies combined. Me too. I, I've, and we like we noted we watched this twice, and I, and I watched the opening scene a third time this week. But I think that's like like we're talking about. I think a lot of people look at this movie and just think that it's not funny. It doesn't look funny, or they've been told it doesn't look funny. When Tori Spelling is getting the ghost, dude. When right when we get the entity moment, <laughs> I was just like, and right? by the way. And I have to tell you, in the rundowns that I've seen for it on Wikipedia, kind of like breaks down all the movies just in case there's something you missed. The entity is not even listed, even though that's what it's, it's spoofing. I mean, it, it, everybody goes right to Poltergeist because of the panties, I think, right? Because you see her shirt go up. Maybe. Like Joe Beth Williams. And that's a great joke, too, by the way. <laughs> right? The wind, no, the, the, it is the, a real good joke. <laughs> Wednesday. Yes. And that was perfect, by the way. Yeah. I love the fact that, again, you, you, you think they're just making a, a day joke. No, but they make an Adam's Family reference, too. And I thought that was because it could have been any other day, but they chose Wednesday. I thought that was really clever. Yep. These guys are fans of horror movies. It's clear. I mean, after this stuff, you know, Marlon's going to go on and do the Haunted House movies. I think he's like two of them, right? Yeah, two. Uh-huh. It, it's the same same principle and everything. Yeah, but and he had fun with those because, dude, I mean, I, I think it goes, it goes without saying Marlon's very talented. He isn't just smoky and just playing that guy. He's super, super funny. And he's oh yeah. Like, he's a pretty damn good dramatic actor too. He can he can deliver. Yeah, I thought he was good in the G.I. Joe movie. Yeah. That, what right? was the, he's uh, in the he's in the G, one of the G.I. Joe movies? In Requiem for a Dream. Right. There you go. Yeah. I was gonna because I, I was gonna say above the rim, but I was like, oh, was he really serious in that movie? But yes. Oh uh, yeah, Requiem for a Dream, dude. Totally. Same, the same year as he did the first scary movie. And he's but it was funny, like when you look at um like even like white chicks, there's two layers to him, dude, in that when he's not in the makeup when he's being funny, you know, playing the white girl, and when he's out of the makeup just being an FBI agent, dude, he is He's good. He he's very believable. Even something like that, it, it, and you just accept the situation. Now, since I mentioned white chicks, come on, man. I, I used to always laugh about people not recognizing the fact that the three sisters were brothers. I mean, two of them were right, <laughs> or three of them when Shemp was there. Yes, dude. Come on. There's no question. You you can't you can't disguise the fact that Marlon and Sean are related and they're playing partners. No, not at, yeah, not at all, dude. Right? Yeah, I know. I, I, but I also th- just got to go with it. I think it's kind of a joke though, too, that they were kind of making about race. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Yeah. I think it was, a, I think it was just a, you know, it was an inside. It was, it was, a, it was a subtle, not so subtle, but you know, yes, a hundred percent. I want to say, I don't like much about that GI Joe movie, but I got to say Marlon is good in it. Dude. Yeah. We're playing ripcord. Yeah. He's the rise of the Cobra. The, the whole family is wonderfully talented. You Before we got on mic, we were talking about, you know what? 
I'm kind of missing these dudes being around more. You know what I mean? Me too. It's like, uh, um, I know Mario's got a new movie coming out soon, and, but it's the, it, but he's, again, we're talking about serious movies. He's in a biopic for Aretha Franklin. Oh, yeah. That Callie Curry wrote with uh, Tracy Scott. Dude, that cast is just fucking stacked, dude. Dude, I'm going to give you another movie right now that you, I bet you've seen and you probably like it too, but I love Little Man, dude. Yes. You're going to miss the Wayne's brothers. Obviously, everybody looks at the, the Wayne's family as for comedy, but dude, I'm telling you, he can pull it off. Now, Keenan, not so much. Keenan's not the, <laughs> Keenan, drama is, is not Keenan's strong suit. But you know what? There's plenty of there's. He's been in a couple of action movies. We we've we talked about. We talked about Glamour yeah. Man before. Directed directed a couple. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, man. Low down, dirty shame, dude. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be apologetic for my weird infatuation with that movie. <laughs> yeah, and it came at a weird time too. Like, isn't the same kind of range of time like when Damon did Bulletproof? Oh, yeah. Then there was and Glimmer Man was the other one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Glimmer Man. I feel like Glimmer Man and Bulletproof both came out very close to each other. Yeah, and I feel like Low Down Dirty Shame came out maybe a couple years earlier. Like when. I don't want to say not Hudson Hawk, but when they were making those type kind of movies, you know, like low down dirty shame is kind of a predecessor to, I don't want to say undercover brother, but yeah, you know, I mean that it, it was a, it was a kind of a throwback to black exploitation. I don't know. It was kind of the next, I guess it was the evolution from I'm going to get you sucker. Yeah. The next step would have been yeah. low down dirty shame, which I got to say is it's a, you know, you know, I like I told you off mic, <laughs> I kind of love that movie. <laughs> like I said, I'm touting Marlon quite a bit because I really think he's the one. I, I'm not saying he's the most talented. I, I would never say that. What I would say is I really find him to be the most, uh, um, got, he's got a range like none of them have. And also out of all the the family members that you recognize when you see them, he's the only one that was never on in living color. Right. Which I thought was crazy. Right. He must have been about 18. He was probably 17 or 18 then when Living Color was on, when it came out, because he's born in, I'd say he's probably 72, 73. Yeah, 72. Born. Yeah, yeah. You know, he went to LaGuardia High School, Music of Art and perform, Music and Performing Arts, the fame school in New York City. So maybe that has something to do with it, you know? Maybe he was still in school. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he, was he, was still in school. maybe he was finishing up. I'm just saying, they're like, no, don't worry about it. There's plenty to come finished school and then we're, you know, because I got to tell you, man, I loved their show, their sitcom, the Wayne's Brothers, the back on, remember the WB network, Johnny Witherspoon and <laughs> yeah, good times, man. By the way, why didn't we, why wasn't John Witherspoon in either one of these movies? I don't know, man, right? There's definitely a spot for John Witherspoon yes. in, 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 in both of them. Yeah, 100%. And it, would, it surprised me that they didn't find a place for him. The the crew and the cast have fun on their sets. And that's one thing I've always remembered watching EPKs of them, you know, back on DVDs. And I have, but I haven't watched the the extras on this in a long time. But like, I, like you noted, there's a whole bunch of extras on there. And I wish I got to go back and watch them. I watched this on Pluto and uh, it's on on demand on Pluto. And yeah, you get commercials here and there. I was just being super lazy and I didn't want to go get the Blu-ray. But that's the only place you can stream it right now other than, you know, renting it or, or buying in the digital copy or which is kind of a bummer. It's this movie is so worth your time in it. And if any, if you like the first scary movie, you're going to love this one if you haven't seen it yet. And if you have seen this and haven't revisited it in a long time, today's that day. Watch this again. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good number two. It's a good number <laughs> two. You know, I don't want to forget to mention her, but Kathleen Robertson's in this. When she when we saw the movie in the theater, 
And I couldn't really tell from the poster. Well, I mean, you can tell now, I mean, in hindsight, but when we got there, I, you know, I saw the movie, I wasn't really paying attention to the poster all that much who was on it. So Tori Spelling and her are both in it. And so, I get, so it's like this 90210 reunion going on there. She's super funny in it. Kind of, you know, what she's kind of playing the Catherine Zeta character from the haunting remake from 99. She plays it straight all the way through, but then she has her moments where she just kind of like goes to the extreme. But again, you can tell that, that the cast is there to have fun. And I think that's just something that Keenan cultivated from his first, from I'm going to get you sucker all the way through his television work and his other feature films. It, it's clear that the, that his set is a fun set to work on and it shows man. Oh dude. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's infectious. You can tell they had a good time making it. I mean, it, when you watch the behind the scenes stuff, if you have the disc, it, it's apparent, dude, everybody involved, it, you know, it, it was like going to a party, this, that kind of atmosphere every day going to work was, wasn't a drag. You're getting paid to do some crazy. I mean, you, you can tell they 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 had a great time doing it. And like I said at the beginning, it's by far for me the best of the scary movies. Yeah. And I want to say it's it, it's one of my favorite comedy. Like if if I want to watch something that'll make me laugh and just wait, make the day. I literally I will put this movie on. Yeah. Like I said, I laugh at shit every single time, like an idiot, because it's still funny. Or I'll see something. It's funny. Again, they say if you're watching a good movie, you see something new every time. I just realized, <laughs> not last night, but the viewing earlier in the week, that the whole cold open is the same house where they set up the experiment. Never picked it up before. Would that, I thought that was kind of obvious. <laughs> No, right. It, it's super obvious. It is. But I just never really, I never thought about it. To me, it was like, it was a cold open, like in a screen movie. And in my brain, I just took it like, hey, they're just riffing the exorcist. And that's one thing too, you know, I, I was kind of leaning on that earlier. Sometimes the cold opens have nothing to do with the rest of the movie or the characters in the rest of the movie, but just sets up that episode. And that's how the scary movies and most certainly the screen movies are, even though it's set, it's, but they're a little more tied to the overall story in the screen movies but you never go back to those locations. And I'm gonna say the first three of the trilogy of Scream are like that. The fourth one spoofs itself in such a smart way with the cold open because there's three false openings in the cold open and it's fucking great. So fucking funny. They, they kind of redeem themselves a little bit for, for me because it's, I, I, have a, I have more of an affinity now for Scream 4 than I did when I first saw it. But that was not the best one of the Scream movies. But this, Scary Movie 2, 100% is the best in the whole Scary Movie franchise. And the only way I want to see a part six is if the Waynes come back together and do it again. Yep. Me too, brother. That's it. If yep. they're not involved, don't bother. Yep. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the show on Twitter at Karate Pod, or you can follow Corey on Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp. Or if you want to support the show on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. Thank you, Patreon supporters. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Big Daddy Kane on Letterboxd. That's Big Daddy Kane. No relation to Hugh Kane. No, I'm just kidding. You can follow <laughs> me at Tom Cody. Big Daddy Kane. <laughs>